This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. The verses that precede today's passage of Scripture, Jesus asks the disciples, Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They reply, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus then asks them, Who do you say that I am? And I would actually start our message today with, what does your life say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus, as we just sang, your king? Or someone or something else sitting on that throne? Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. God. Jesus then goes on and he blesses Peter and he tells him that that God is the one that's revealed to him, not the world, and that Peter is the rock and on him that God God is going to build his church and even the gates of hell could not overcome it. And then Jesus does the the curious and surprising thing and he says, all right, don't don't tell anybody. You ever had news like that? Somebody told you, you know, maybe it was a, a child that says, hey, my mom, dad, we're pregnant, but don't tell anybody. And you had to sit with that information or you had some good news, but you had to kind of hold it in and you couldn't tell anybody. So, yeah, they're like, you are the Messiah. You're right. I am. But don't tell anybody. But see, the next step in this point would then be for Jesus and his disciples to start start planning something. It would be for them to start gathering support. It would be for them to start planning their next steps so that they can usher in this new kingdom. Because remember, up to this point, they're expecting this mighty king. They thought Jesus was Jesus was from the lineage of David, so they thought that he was going to retake the, the Holy Land, that, that they were going to topple the rulers, even probably do away with the priests because Jesus has talked about new covenants and, and all of this. See, they were expecting this takeover, but what Jesus says to them goes against every expectation that they had. Because instead of us predicting the kingdom, coming kingdom, Jesus predicts his death. We read this in the beginning of our, our scripture today. It says, from then on, Jesus began to point out his to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes, to be killed and be raised the third day. God had a plan, just not the one everybody expected. See, God wasn't planning a takeover. He wasn't planning a coup. He was planning a sacrifice. God's kingdom was still going to come to earth. Jesus was still going to be exalted, just not in the way that the disciples expected it to be. And so Peter objects. He takes Jesus aside and he says, this will never happen to you. 
He's saying, I won't allow it. We'll protect you. I, I will die for you. Nobody will harm a hair on your head. And we see Peter hold true to this in the Garden of Gethsemane with that guy that looks like Picasso. Or was it, was it Picasso who was missing the ear? No, who was missing the ear? It was Van Gogh. Look at me. So I didn't do well in art history in college. Van Gogh. Picasso's the guy that has the nose where his ear should be. Um, <laughs> But, but he, he says, you know, no, I will not let this happen. And Jesus turns to him and he says, get behind me, Satan. Don't try this at home, by the way, I'm just saying, or at work. But he's saying you are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. See, I think Peter was well-intentioned here. Peter was loyal. Peter wanted to protect Jesus. But he just wasn't seeing the bigger picture. Peter was seeing things from his limited human view. This is often our own downfall as well. We, we often see things from our limited human perspective. And I wonder how many times that God is, is there saying to us the very thing that Jesus says to Peter. Get out of my way. How many times when our plans unravel, when things aren't the way we thought they would be, that maybe God has another plan and we're just messing it up. And so God's up there like, get behind me, get out of the way, let me take the lead. But what Jesus was predicting was foretold from the prophets long ago that he would defeat the earthly rulers and powers that be, but not at their own game. See, he was winning a bigger, much larger, and more eternal battle. Jesus was putting death to death. And I think this is something that we still need to remember. And I know I've spoken on it before, but we still live in a time when so many Christians are chasing power and control because they're not seeing the bigger perspective. They're not seeing God's big picture. They're looking from the human, human limited perspective, and God has a bigger plan. So Jesus goes on to tell the disciples that following him is not going to come without cost. He says this, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what if anyone will give an exchange for his life? See, Jesus constantly talked about the cost of following him, the cost of being a disciple. It's believed of the remaining 11 disciples after Jesus' crucifixion, 10 were martyred. The only one that was not, or it's not recorded was, was John. We also know that others outside of the 12 died for their faith as well. In Acts 9, we read about Stephen being stoned. See, to them, this call to take up their cross was a literal one. And, and some people today in other countries, it's still a literal cross that they must bear. It's to give up their lives. For us, though, it's much more metaphorical. See, Jesus calls us and still calls us to sacrifice but it's more about giving up the world in order to gain something much, much greater. We often like to 
play fast and loose with those rules. We like to kind of keep a feet in both and play both sides of the field. See, we'll give up parts of the world that's easy to give up. Well, I'll give up caffeine for a Lent. I can give up an hour on Sundays. Maybe we'll give up a little bit more. Maybe we'll stop there. See, it's like we discussed. We, we carry our cross when it's convenient. But we can't just carry our cross, set it down when we don't want it, and then pick it back up again. That's a lukewarm faith. That's a faith that's only faith when it's convenient. It lacks any real zeal, but it's that same zeal that we'll invest in other parts of our lives, into the world, into other less important things, but it's that zeal that we don't necessarily carry for the cross of Christ. See, denying ourselves and taking up our cross means putting God's priorities above our own. It means God's will for us is greater than our own. It means we are letting God lead. We're getting out of the way. And we're following wherever he might take us. I want you to imagine something with me. Just bear with me here. What do you think it sounded like on the Via Della Rosa, in the streets of Jerusalem, on the day that Jesus was crucified as he carried that cross? What do you think the sounds that cross made as it went across the cobblestone and it drug across the stone? The sound that it made as, as he would grow tired and he'd fall and the cross would hit the ground. Now imagine this. Imagine you're in your home and all of a sudden you hear outside or you're at school or you're at work, but imagine you hear the sound of this cross dragging along the ground through our neighborhoods, past our homes, our schools, the, the places we work and shop, and we peek out the windows or the doors and like, what is that ruckus out there? And we hear Jesus calling out, take up your cross and follow me. <clears throat> Would we still be willing to do it? Would we still be willing to go to leave what he's asking us to leave and make that type of sacrifice? Much of the problem with Christianity today, and especially here in America, is we have it pretty comfortable. We've had it pretty comfortable. And so we've gotten used to the, hopefully, the reward without the work. We've stopped putting in that hard work because we want the promise of eternal life. But I don't want to pay that much, not too much, just a little bit. See, we want heaven, but we want it at a bargain price. I don't think that's the way it works. Jesus says in verse 27 and 28, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will truly reward each according to what he has done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. As a kid growing up in church, I always thought that Jesus was talking about this future day, you know, trumpets and white horses, you know, coming down from the sky and clouds partying and all of that sort of thing, you know, a blink of an eye, sneakers left behind, you know, all of that sort of thing. You know, you've seen those pictures and those, I used to have that shirt, probably about the time this song was popular. See, I had this understanding that we're just supposed to be good so that we can go to heaven. It's just our goal. i got to behave so I can go to heaven, which usually meant doing the very minimal I had to do so I could go to heaven. Sometimes less, sometimes more. You know, being good, following the rules, trying to stay out of trouble. Don't make God so mad that he sends me to hell. I don't know if anybody else grew up that way. That's how I grew up. That basically living this life, everything we did and said was to avoid hell, basically. 
But to this end, Jesus' statement doesn't make sense. Jesus' statement that some of his disciples would not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming to his kingdom. Well, he still hasn't come back, and they're definitely not still here. We're still waiting for the second coming, and the disciples are, are long gone. So what was Jesus talking about? What if Jesus was not talking about some future day when clouds would part and the rapture and all of those sorts of things? What if Jesus was simply talking about his resurrection? This would mean that one of the disciples had tasted death. Judas, by that point after the resurrection. What if when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, what if that's what Jesus was talking about? What if taking up our cross simply means bringing the kingdom of God, doing our part to usher it in and here and now? What if it simply means living as Jesus would have us to live today? And instead of focusing on an eternal reward in heaven, we did our very best to take care of those around us. See, I could be the best Christian there is. I could follow all the rules and regulations, the Ten Commandments, but I could still not love others because there's a way around it. There's always a loophole, right? We talked about it last week. But what if Jesus was saying that our eternal reward in heaven is more about us doing our very best to take care of those around us, to love other people, to care for their needs, to be willing to do whatever it is God asks of us right now? What if our reward was seeing the difference we're able to make in the lives of the people in our community? I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with the ordinary day-to-day stuff. Sometimes my life feels boring and I feel small. Anybody else ever feel that way? That I'm not possibly making a difference, that, that, that I'm going unnoticed because you see people on social media doing bigger and better things. You know, you look at how many views we had from the, the live stream this week and you just think nobody's listening to me. Why do I even bother? But I read a post from a fellow pastor uh, this week and, and it really made me think. And he said this, an ordinary life is not meaningless. It may be the most meaningful life of all. It is how we treat people in the hundreds of ordinary encounters we have every week that decides both or decides and demonstrates what kind of person we are and what kind of life we desire to live. This is the essence of love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever considered that, that every interaction, have you ever considered Every interaction you have, maybe God brought you to that place that maybe God was involved in that. And have you ever considered that when you talk to people, when you treat that waiter or waitress or that cashier or whoever it is you come in contact with? Have you ever considered how you treat them? Could be speaking to your faith and how well you're loving other people. It's humbling for me. Even how we treat the people that live in our own houses, our friends, our neighbors, our family. Have you ever considered it's the ordinary stuff? 
See, it's easy to go on mission trips. It's easy to stand up in church and do things, to teach Bible studies. It's easy to do things when you're in, in this building. But it's when you're in the day-to-day, -day, the bad stuff, the rough stuff, the boring stuff, the stuff you don't want to do, getting your oil changed, going to the doctor. What if those are the moments that really count for us? So what if we approached every ordinary, everyday interaction as an opportunity, an opportunity to share God's love, an opportunity to usher in the kingdom of God into the here and now, not some future day? And what if we approach these, and this is how we took our cross, we just took our cross with us, and we carried our cross by putting ourselves aside and sharing the love of Jesus with other people wherever we go. And by doing ordinary things with extraordinary love. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you today. We just ask that you would help us, that you would meet us in those ordinary things. And that we would be faithful to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.